Welcome to Me Time, the podcast for women in midlife who've been taking care of everyone else and now say, it's my turn to take care of me. I'm Kim Aceto, health and self-care coach for women in midlife and your host. Thank you for spending your precious me time with me right now. Enjoy the show. Okay, so today I have invited Rowena List back on the podcast. And if this is your first time hearing Rowena, um, let me share her bio with you so you can get to know her a little bit. So Rowena List, um, her website is actually gettingittogether.ca, and I'll put that in the show notes. But she is a professional organizer, coach, and speaker. Rowena believes in success without struggle, which means clearing out what no longer serves you and making room for the things that bring you joy. She's been self-employed since age 19, and before that, she was a child entrepreneur selling goods from her bicycle basket. When Rowena's not working, you'll find her hiking, skiing, golfing, biking, reading, or enjoying a gourmet coffee with a dear friend. Rowena, welcome back to the Me Time Midlife podcast. Oh, thanks, Kim. It's great to be back. Oh, it's always, always so great to um, have you. And I was just looking back because one of my clients uh, wanted to know uh, some of your um, previous episodes. So I directed her back and, uh, we've done more episodes than I thought we've done quite a few. And, um, it's always great because then I have these, you know, wonderful resources to, to send my clients and they always find them really valuable. I always learn something new from you. And, uh, so it's, it's always great to talk with you and have you back. Oh, I love being on your show. Happy to help out in any way I can. Yes. And I love the topic of organization. Uh, there's, it's just, it's good for our mental, physical, environmental relational health, I think everything. Um, so actually today we're going to be talking about decision fatigue, and this is something that you've been really interested in, uh, recently. And you've been talking about, I know you've been, you've been doing presentations on this as well. So let's, uh, have a conversation today about decision fatigue, because it has to do with, uh, organization and it also has to do with health. Um, so let's just start with, you know, what is decision fatigue? How would you describe that? Well, I would say decision fatigue is when, you know, you're just trying to make a decision, maybe a simple one, and you just simply can't. You are tired, you have brain fog, you're feeling drained, you're avoiding making those decisions, and you're procrastinating. So that would be decision fatigue, because, you know, we wake up each morning, Kim, with a whole new set of decision neurons in our brain. And we make approximately 35,000, 35,000 conscious decisions a day. So you wow. can imagine that, you know, you would, by the end of the day, no wonder our, our brains are foggy and we're feeling stressed and tired. And it could, you know, it could be things around, you've already made so many decisions this morning that you just do naturally you know, am I going to have cereal or toast or am I going to have an egg or, you know, there's 226 decisions made every day, approximately just on food. Mm -hmm. So this right. way, you know, if you're organized and you have your life streamlined and, you know, sort of a minimalistic type lifestyle, you're, you're going to eliminate having to use those precious decision neurons on things like, what am I going to eat or what am I going to wear? Exactly. Exactly. I, I 
Totally, totally agree. Yeah, I love it. Okay, so you started kind of talking about this um, right now. What would you say are some of the problems with decision fatigue? Why don't we want to be making decisions about what we're going to wear today or what we're going to eat today? Um, why, why is it not? Why do we not want to be making decisions about those things every day? know if it's so much if we don't want to but we've made so many decisions about so many other things that when it comes to the things that maybe aren't as important then we go you know it's like oh my gosh here's one more thing I have to decide on you know these days people are making so many major decisions every day as far as their finances or their health or where are they going to live or their aging parents their young children and, and so then it comes to close and it's just like, yeah, you know, there's too much stimulus around us. There's too much stuff around us. And this is causing stress and fatigue and overwhelm. And so then it's like, I don't even want to make that decision. So I'll just throw on the same thing that I had on yesterday. And that's one less decision that I have to make. Right, right. Now, what do you think about this? I've read um, some stuff about this, that we only have so much capacity to um, make decisions every day, right? We only have, I mean, when you think about it, would you say 3000 and something decisions we make every day, we don't even realize we're making these decisions. Um, Do you think that we have a capacity for decision making? And once we're tapped out, we're tapped out. And that could be by noon, maybe every day. I I don't know. What are your thoughts about that? Oh, I totally agree with you, Kim. You know, the thing is we do, we wake up with only so many decision neurons in our brain. And once we've used those, then, you know, we're done. And you see, some people might wake up with more decision neurons because they have a clear mind and they live in a clutter-free environment and they're not having to make big major decisions every day. But then all of us are making approximately, not 3,000, but 35,000 conscious decisions a day. (laughs) Yeah, 35,000 a day. That seems like completely, like how how are we able to do that? How how in the world, you know? Well, there's so many. It's you know, right now, our brains, yours and mine are working, you know, I'm deciding, am I going to say this or that? Is this a better point to come across right now? Or is that a better point? Am I going to sit cross-legged? You know, there's so many that are uh, conscious, but unconscious decisions as well. And, you know, people that work in high pressure jobs, you know, this is, they, they take the average, right? You know, so the average is always, you take the highest person, the lowest person, you squish them together in the middle. Uh, but there's people, you know, you think about people that are in finance and people that are in real estate or, you know, surgeons. Think about the number of decisions that these people are making every single day. Pilots, you know, people with high pressure jobs are making a lot of decisions. People like you and I might not be making as many as the transplant surgeon. Or the air traffic controller, I just thought of. Oh, yes, the air traffic (laughs) controller. You think about him. He's probably like the highest. That's one of the most stressful jobs in in the world, they say. 
And, and so we're making ours, but you know, if your life is streamlined and you're organized and so forth, then your decisions become easy because, you know, it's easy for me to decide what I'm going to have for breakfast. It's a no brainer. It's uh, very similar every day. I don't stand there and hold open the fridge door and go, yeah, what am I going to eat today? And, oh, I don't feel like this. And I do feel like that. And, you know, waffling. And so I save a lot of my- No pun intended. I'm assuming you don't have a waffle every morning. (laughs) I love it, Kim. Oh, you're you're quick. We're friends, right? So we can banter a little like this. We sure can. That is quick. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I'm not a waffle girl. Uh, And then, you know, people stand in front of their closet and they go, oh gosh, what am I going to wear today? And, you know, they, you know, again, waffle back and forth about what are they going to wear and And then they try on, I was talking to somebody the other day and she says she tries on about five or six tops each morning before she gets the right outfit. Well, good grief, that would make me exhausted before I got out of the door. Uh, You know, this is the thing, like, let's just decide, pick a top and go for it. Right. It's almost like you don't, until you have kind of created a more simplistic, organized, um, I would even say maybe even automatic life um, in some ways, you don't really realize how, how many, like how tired you can get from all of those decisions. Like for example, like you, uh, I eat the same, actually Monday through Friday, I eat the same thing for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I mean, not the same meal, but the same breakfast every morning, the same lunch every afternoon, the same dinner every evening. And I love it because I don't have to think about what I'm, what I'm going to eat. And I don't want to have to think about that. And then I make good decisions because I know exactly what I'm going to eat. It's already prepared for me. It may even already be dished for me. I just need to heat it up or eat it as is. Um, But when the weekends come, which the weekends are supposed to be like this carefree kind of, you know, enjoy kind of thing, I guess. Um, At least it it is for me. I try not to be so structured on the weekend, but at the same time, I feel more uncomfortable on the weekends because I'm like, okay, what am I going to eat? I don't have anything prepared. And I kind of like the spontaneity of that. And, you know, I'm trying to be a little more spontaneous, but at the same time, I don't like that. I have to make these decisions and figure out how I'm going to get these things. Does that make sense? Well, it totally makes sense because it's, it's almost sort of like a a quote, wasting those precious decision neurons on what are you going to eat rather than banking them or saving them until you have to make a major decision about maybe your parents or, you know, a friend in need or your finances or, you, you know, people have to move. So then you're free and your mind is free and relaxed when it comes time to making those decisions. And I think, you know, for me, people said, oh, it must have been so stressful when your mom was sick and you were taking care of her. And, and you know, of course it was stressful because it, it's not nice to see our parents in those situations. But because I, you know, I don't have decision fatigue, I was able to make decisions about her care and her future planning and so forth without feeling so wiped and stressed. Right. 
Yeah. And I mean, I know this is something that listeners are going to have probably have heard before, but I do want to repeat it because it is important. Um, Because of decision fatigue, we make the worst decisions in the evening, which is why they have, um, I mean, I know we don't really watch ads and commercials so much anymore, but that's why people tend to make bad choices at night as far as purchasing things they don't want or need, uh, eating things that they don't want or need. I don't want to say shouldn't be eating because that's not up to me, but that they don't really want to be eating. Um, Things like that, right? Because we have tapped out our decision-making for the day and now we're tired and we tend not to make really good decisions in the evening. And so I guess what I'm saying too is we want to, because we wake up in the morning with um, the potential to make more decisions, right? We've, we've slept, hopefully slept really good. Hopefully we've had a healthy night. Um, and we wake up in the morning. Now we have the potential to make decisions. The morning time would be a better time to make bigger decisions than the evening time when we're tapped out. That's what I think. What do you, what are your thoughts? Oh, yeah, that's, that's most definite, most definite. All the experts would say that if you have to make any major decisions, you need to be making those in the morning if they're work decisions or lifestyle decisions, that's why it's great if people do in the morning, if they make their, their meal plan for the whole day, rather than, you know, like you say, getting in from work late and then trying to decide what they're going to eat, having that all prepared, that's one less decision that you have to make. And then you can, you know, your brain can rest and, and then you can enjoy some of the fun things that you want to be doing in life being outside or being with friends or reading a good book and you're not having to be concerning yourself with all these other decisions that are quite often unnecessary. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now something in health behavior, I guess you would say, and I would assume you're going to agree with me when it comes to the work that you do as well, um, is that our environment has a bigger effect on us than we think. So how are, you you know, all the things in our environment and for you, it would be, um, you know, having a, uh, having an organized decluttered home so that you don't have the weight of, you know, a bunch of stuff that you have, you're able to have more clarity and make better decisions, for example, and you can, you could say that much better <laughs> or in a way that you, you would say it. Um, but also, you know, health-wise, um, creating an environment where you have healthy food around, where you, um, you know, you have good exercise shoes, for example, um, you know, you have everything you need to, to around the house, you know, maybe even have some, some exercise equipment around the house, uh, things that make it easy for you to make the right decisions. Um, so from your perspective, talk about, you know, how our environment, as far as our, how we set up our, our home, um, how that, why is that important in, um, in this decision fatigue topic that we're talking about today? Well, it's, it's crucial. It's crucial, Kim, to have uh, a clutter-free environment because that's one of the major ways to combat decision fatigue. And so by clearing the clutter and having a a nice organized home and a nice streamlined 
way of preparing your food and your routine. You know, this is the thing is that humans work much better on routine. And that's why the weekends sort of throw everybody off because, oh, we're supposed to be carefree. And yet then we get back into it on Monday and it takes a little bit just to get back into that. But realistically, we as humans do much better with a routine and, right. and, and knowing what's coming around the corner, especially right. kids, especially kids. And, and so, you know, the average home, Kim, has approximately 350,000 items in it. That's the average home has over 350,000 items wow. in it. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's things, uh, I mean, it's as simple as the other day I was helping this gal organize her bedroom and she must have had 15 pairs of slipper socks. And, you know, you can only wear one pair of slipper socks at a time. And we all have washing machines or access to washing machines and dryers. So why not just have two? You've got one pair of slipper socks that you're wearing. And then when those go in the wash, you can start wearing the other one until the other ones come out of the wash. And she had the space to store all of these slipper socks. But still, when she opens that drawer, she now has to decide consciously or subconsciously, she's deciding, do I wear the pink ones, the black ones, the yellow ones, the striped ones, the, you know, 15 pairs of them and trying to decide which ones to wear rather than if you've got one pair on your feet and one in the drawer, there's no decision that needs to be made. Right. Right. And what a waste of a decision to think about what socks you're going to wear around the house, right? Exactly. Exactly. Because then when it comes down to the crunch, which we're all going to have these in our lives where it might be ailing parents or a sick child or the pandemic or financial stress, we need to be ready for those sorts of things, not dwell on them, but just mentally ready and then that way we're not having to go so stressed and and you know overeat and maybe over drink or all the things that people do when they're feeling stressed because we've wasted these decision neurons on things of you know which socks or or uh, you know am I gonna whatever it is right right so right so being organized is the key being organized is the key most definitely and being organized in what you're going to eat and setting your clothes out the night before uh, getting rid of the clothes in your closet that don't fit you because that's a decision people are looking at it going first thing in the morning oh okay well I used to be able to wear that I wish I could wear that I better go on a diet so that I can wear that what a waste of money that I've got sitting in the cupboard that I can't wear that oh, I'm so stupid because, you know, I really shouldn't have bought that. Like all of that negative self-talk while you're standing there butt naked. Mm -hmm. It's right. all happening in your brain. A lot of people know it is. And a lot of people don't even know it is. And then you go and have your breakfast and you're thinking, I'm exhausted. And I just woke up. Yeah. I mean, speaking of, of excess clothing, actually, one of my clients listened to one of your uh, podcasts that you had with me and uh, she was, she was really struck. Um, 
instruct is not the right word, but you'll know what I'm talking about here. Um, about the story you told, I don't know if it was a man or a woman who had a corporate job and had these beautiful suits and they uh, kept the suits because they were so beautiful. And uh, finally, I, I think hopefully I get this right, but uh, finally decided to donate them with your help. And then by the time you went to go look at the suits, they were all moth ridden. Uh, yeah. They were not good anymore. And uh, is that right? Did I get that story but right? <laughs> you got you got that story right. You got that story right. So you want to pass on things before they're no good to anybody, because nothing takes on value unless it's being used. Right. This is important point. Nothing takes on value unless it's being used. So those suits sat in his closet for 10 years. And you think about it, if he had donated them 10 years prior when they weren't moth ridden, somebody would have worn those for those 10 years because those beautiful wool expensive suits, somebody would have gotten at least 10 years out of them, if not more. Right. And so then they, they can't, they're no good to anybody. And, you know, we have a landfill problem in the world. So we need to be mindful of where all this stuff is going. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, when we think about it, when we're done with a uh, container that we use, we've used at home, we don't keep it around, right? We recycle it. And well, you why? and I do, but some people don't, Kim. This is the thing. They keep it because of the three deadliest words, just in case. Mm. You know, I might need that container just in case a friend comes over and I want to send them home with some uh, cookies or I want to mm -hmm. send them home with some leftovers or whatever, whatever the case might be where it's just in case. And so, yes, I find homes you and I recycle our containers right away, but there are homes where people have hundreds and hundreds of these containers because they think they're going to freeze things or give things away, or it's a poverty mentality. And it's, it's things that maybe they got from their parents and it's eliminating those three deadliest words just in case. Mm -hmm. So then how do we combat that? you know, that, that thought or that feeling of, well, I might need this, or even the woman may be listening who, it, who wants to lose weight. Uh, you know, it's still the beginning of the year. They, they are thinking about losing weight. They're hoping they're believing they can and will and have clothes that they want to get into again. What would you say to her? What, what, should she, what should she do with those clothes that are two sizes too small now, but she wants to get into in the next few months or several months? Okay, well, I would suggest that somebody take those clothes and put them in a rubber bin and put a date on the top of when they'd like to get into them and put them in a cupboard so that they are not right there and they're not opening their cupboard every day and going, yeah, I used to be that size. Because there's, mm -hmm. you know, all this self-loathing self that takes place, which is not empowering to women. Right. And then they, they focus in. So they've got those clothes in a separate place. They've got just the clothes that are fitting them right now that they feel good in and that they like. Because we do only wear 20% of our clothes 80% of the time. 
So we're, we're deciding, you know, we're deciding we're going to wear things that are new and the things that fit us right now and the things that we'd like. So I would suggest that those things go into a box and that you then focus in on your healthy eating and exercising in order to be the size that you would like to be. Keeping in mind that, okay, is this realistic? And making sure that you're, you know, you've checked in with your doctor and so forth or, or your health coach like you, Kim, checking in with, with you to make sure that, okay, is this realistic and am I doing it in a healthy way? And is it something that I can maintain as well? You know, th those are all key things, right? Right, and then right. Just keeping the things, you know, to combat decision fatigue, you wanna keep the things around you that you absolutely use and love. Right. Plain and simple. It has to be a hell yeah, I love this thing. Not, well, you know, uh, my aunt gave it to me, so I should, very disempowering word, I should keep it. I tell my clients, don't should on yourself. Yep. It's very yep. disempowering. So if you don't like it, you don't need to keep it for any particular reason. Right. Just because somebody gave you something doesn't mean you have to keep it you know, everything that you've given to somebody, you wouldn't expect them to still keep it, you know, that you've, you've given things to your parents over the years for, you know, many, many years, would you expect them to keep everything that you've ever given them? Mm -hmm. That's right. unrealistic. It's unrealistic. So those are ways to combat decision fatigue is to keep the things around you that you absolutely use and love. And to, uh, you know, mitigate untidy, disorganized areas, uh, things like your computer, you know, imagine the amount of decisions that we make on our computer every day. Yes. Should I put yes. it in this file? Should I move it over here? Should I delete it? Should I forward it to a friend? All that shooting on yourself. So really mitigating those decisions and that's going to take time. I know everybody's listening going, oh, yeah, okay, great, Cam and Rowena, you know, sounds wonderful. But when am I going to have time to do all of this? And, and that's where I like to encourage people to do the 15 minutes to freedom, which are things that I have on my website, tips and so forth, where, you know, you take 15 minutes and you work on just your tops that fit you and the other ones go. Uh, 15 minutes on your inbox, 15 minutes on, you know, maybe your fridge that you haven't cleared out in a long, long, long time, and it needs to be wiped down and get rid of all the outdated condiments and so forth. So break, break the tasks down into 15 minutes, <clears throat> excuse me, so it makes it more manageable and fun, you know, set the timer, set some jazzy music, and go for it. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely doable when, when you think, oh, I got to spend two hours on this, or I got to spend all day on this. It just seems too overwhelming. And also how many decisions are you going to have to, cause, cause you do have to make decisions about what am I going to do with this? Right. Where yes. am I going to put this? How, am I going to throw this away? Am I going to keep it? Am I going to donate it? Am I going to give it to a friend? Those are all decisions. And, um, you know, we, we need to kind of segment those, right? We need, we need to chunk those out in 15 minute increments. I really like that. 
Yes. And, and, you know, you're so right, Kim, that, you know, we make, we make so many decisions when it comes to clearing the clutter. And this is why people get exhausted with it because they also have the story attached to it. So, you know, you might have, excuse me, you might have a talk that somebody gave you and, you know, when they first gave it to you, you really liked it and you wore it. And maybe it came from a good friend or a grandmother or somebody. And now that person's not in your life. And now you're feeling sad that they're not in your life. And you think by keeping the shirt that it's going to help keep the memory around of that person. And the decisions just go on and on and on. When really it's to decide, do I keep it or do I get rid of it? And, right. and the, the story is what makes people so exhausted by the end of the day when they're working with me you know they are making major quick decisions about yeah does it stay here go keep donate keep donate Mm -hmm. and you know it's it's the band-aid effect we pull the band-aid off and get the ball rolling but it's challenging for people to do it on their own because it's so much easier to say you know what I'm going to go sit and have a cup of coffee instead of making any more decisions about the stuff that I want to keep or get rid of. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Great. Oh my gosh, Rowena. I, you know, I love having you on because what you share is always so practical and you always give such great examples that are relatable to our listeners. I know, and, and myself as well. So thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I wanted to get to different kinds of clutter. I know you talk about four different types of clutter, but I know that could probably be its own episode. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Okay. (laughs) So let's save that for another episode. Um, and, uh, I just, I just want to always make sure that you can work with your clients virtually, right? You don't need to be in the same location. You don't need to come to their house to help them with a lot of this stuff. You can work with them virtually. Oh yeah, most definitely. Unless somebody wants to fly me somewhere warm and sunny and work with them (laughs) in their, their casa down there, that's fine too. Or over to Europe, you know, that's fine as well. I, I'm open. I I stay very open to opportunities, but yes, most definitely I can work with people uh, virtually. And, uh, you know, I do offer people complimentary over the phone discovery sessions just to see if that's a fit or to see if they've got a a pebble in their shoe around clutter that's that's not really working for them and, and where they might be stuck. And then we can move forward from there to see if it's a good fit and start working together. Great, great. And also you, you are a speaker, right? Um, And that's another area that um, people can invite you to come and speak to their group or to their company or something like that. tell, Tell me more about that. Oh, most definitely. Yes, I do professional speaking engagements mainly as of late over Zoom, but definitely in person as well. And it can be any number of people, you know, a few people or hundreds of people. I've got different topics that are listed on my website. And I also customize it to suit the audience. So for today, you know, it's a combination of a couple of speaking engagements that I do that I've combined together for, for you and for us today. And just as a teaser, I did give two out of the four kinds of clutter, but I'm not going to share which ones those are. Oh. Your listeners are going to have to come back. 
<laughs> nice. I love it. Okay, Rowena. Well, I'm going to put your website in the show notes. So everybody can go there and uh, you have way more information to share with people there and uh, they can get more information about how to connect with you if they want some help. So that is uh, gettingittogether.ca. And again, I'll put it in the show notes. Rowena, always, always so wonderful to talk with you. Thank you so much for coming back onto the podcast. My pleasure, Kim. Have a great uh, 2022. You too. Thanks for listening. If you find the Me Time Midlife podcast valuable, please tell your friends about it. And if you haven't yet, you can also subscribe to the podcast or leave a positive rating or review, which is always greatly appreciated. If you're on Facebook, you can stay up to date with the latest episodes by following my coaching page, Transformation Wellness for Women. And finally, if you've been taking care of everyone else and now say, it's my turn to take care of me, I invite you to join our Me Time Midlife community on Facebook, where we continue the conversations we have here on the podcast. Simply go to metimemidlifepodcast.com and click on Me Time Midlife Community to learn more and join us today. It's an honor to produce this podcast for you. So thank you again for listening, and I'll see you next time.